Welcome to HXGN Radio. My name is Brian. And in today's podcast, we're discussing sustainability and mining. The technologies and resources required for building a sustainable future rely on mined materials. Despite mining's historic reputation, the opportunity exists to not only make operations more sustainable, but to be an integral part of the effort to transform the Earth's and humanity's future. Colorado School of Mines professor Dr. Priscilla Nelson is joining me to talk about some of the innovation the innovative initiatives supporting the industry's sustainable future. Dr. Nelson, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Always happy to visit. Well, it's good to hear, or it's good to meet you, actually, and (laughs) it's good to be in person. I love this. And so I want to know a little bit about you. So tell us about yourself and what you do and what you're currently nerding out on and passionate about right now. So I'm I'm a person who has moved around a lot. Yeah. You might know what tenure is in the academic world. Well, mm-hmm. I've resigned tenure three times so far. <laughs> nice. I keep moving to other schools, but not for the location, for mm-hmm. the opportunity. Nice. So in 2014, there was an opportunity to come to Colorado School of Mines and to become the department head. And um, I'm not a mining engineer, but I thought, what the heck? So I showed up and I was... De- Department head uh, stepped down just before COVID hit, and I looked around to see what was next on the agenda, what was important. I wanted to stay in the mining industry, but I think the most important thing affecting the mining industry right now is tailings and mine waste and mine water management. So I went head over heels into that, took a deep dive, learning everything again from geotechnical engineering on, and uh, now I'm going around trying to uh, solve problems related to tailings management. That's my passion at the moment. (laughs) I love that. So very curious, always looking for a new opportunity and then uh, diving in, going full aboard. That's me. I love it. (laughs) All right. right, Well, let's get a little philosophical then to start things. Let's talk about sustainability and mining. Uh, But for context, can mining be sustainable? Kind of going with what you're talking about. Well, people talk about sustainable mining, and and, um, I think I know what they mean, but I always ask what they mean Mm -hmm. because it's never clear. To me, the the two better words to associate are stewardship Mm. of the Earth's resources and responsibility. You'll hear very often responsible mining. Um, So I think that reconciling the terms sustainability and mining is not a question of stopping mining. Mm -hmm. That's not the purpose. But it's rather how to maximize the environmental, social, and economic benefits and then at the same time minimize the extraction rates Mm -hmm. um, so that we do not exceed the capabilities to produce or overrun the resources that exist for future generations. So it's a it's a different sense of, of the stewardship, but the stewardship is very clear. Um, and I think you extend uh, the framework for understanding mining from what is now very often the emphasis on environmental and social footprint of mining operations today and how we can improve that, how we can make problems of today go away. But we're transitioning, I think, to really a, a responsible management of mineral resources um, throughout their entire life cycle. That includes the uh, use, and it includes end of life, and it includes recycling. So there is a, a demand in my mind for mining to become part of that continuous materials flow instead of sitting outside of it, kicking in raw materials when somebody wants to buy them. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a real change in philosophy. Yeah, I think uh, it's incredibly important. And I I think if people haven't read 
about donut economics, which is a a uh, a book that was written by Kate Rayworth from, um, from the UK. She's an economist. She pretty much uh, laid out the concept of the way we have to become sustainable um, in in the world. As if uh, you think about the world and you think about where we live in a donut. Now the hole in the center of the donut represents the the social boundary, the basics that everybody on the globe should have clean water, the ability to say whatever they want, um, access to energy and information. All of that is the center of the donut. The outside of the donut is the planetary boundary. And that deals with climate change. It deals with ozone. It deals with biodiversity. It is the planet. Mm -hmm. And so we humans and our enterprises exist in the dough of the donut. Mm. Um, So this is sort of a closed system. Yeah. And now we start thinking about sustainable growth. How do you do sustainable growth when you have a finite donut? And so you get sub donuts. <laughs> so I think we have a, we have um, in, uh, in developing countries, we have um, sub donuts where you have a mining enterprise. It is working with the local community. It is working with the environment. It's existing on that world. And they ask themselves, um, how am I sustaining people? so that they don't fall into the donut hole. And how am I avoiding conflicting with the planetary boundary in my world? The city of uh, Amsterdam has made its plans forward trying to make Amsterdam a responsible donut so that everyone who lives in Amsterdam has the basic social functions and Amsterdam itself and its enterprises does not impact on mm. the planet, yeah, which is really neat. So I think that the basic sense of what the developed countries need to be doing is thinking about the big donut because the developing countries aren't thinking about the big donut. Sure. But the Western countries, the developed countries have a responsibility to really think about the big donut, think about not just the life cycle of the mine operation that they're working on, but the whole life cycle of the mind material. And and that's a very important responsibility, and it deals more with government governance than it does corporate governance. Mm, okay. So it's very interesting days these days. Yeah. Well, I really love the the paradigm shift. You know, as far as the definition from sustainability to stewardship and responsibility, I think that's a really really good way to put it. I'm curious though with the the small donut impact. Do you happen to know? you know, on some level, what the, that impact is like, it's not the large donut impact, but it's the small donut impact. Yeah. Well, it's a matter of, I think it's, it's what most people do with their lives. Mm-hmm. They, they have their, their life and they have to make their decisions about running their household and sure. running their family. Yeah. And that's the focus of the small donut. Yeah. So we have a mining operation that exists in one valley that has a certain watershed that has a certain climate that has a certain community sure. nearby. And that's the focus of it. Yeah. But, uh, and that's appropriate. Yeah. But there has to be this big donut that we have to realize. And we may be able to grow the donut if we are extremely good at um, providing social bit fundamental functions. Mm-hmm. So the donut hole gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. And as we understand the planetary boundaries more, so that if we really understand about climate change and really understand what's going on with the atmosphere and the water balance um, and everything else, renewables. If we really understand those things, we may with confidence be able to grow the donut mm-hmm. because we understand how to not 
infringe upon the integrity of the planetary boundary. Absolutely. So that that brings in this, the science importance mm-hmm. of do we really understand that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what we need to work on. So yep. uh, that's why we have academe sort yeah. of involved in this because good. those questions have to be continued to be addressed. Absolutely. Well, and it's good it's being talked about. Now, managing waste. So not only managing waste, but what kind of a value can come from that? Yeah. So, well, I think the the issue of waste is only getting more critical. Just just to hit it very hard, the grade on many ore bodies is going down. So the volume of waste is going up and it's going to go up for the foreseeable future. And that's separate from the critical minerals drive, Mm -hmm. which is going to be increasing mining to create those materials. But the mining um, enterprise generally um, is focused on mining. Most mining companies want to mine. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. Yeah. They don't want to deal with mine waste. They don't want mm-hmm. to deal with tailings. So how do we change that thinking Yeah. Um, so that uh, the, the responsibility and the interests are not just economic and perish the thought net present value, which you know is nowhere to look at the long-term considerations of mine operation. So um, – we need to get the mining companies to think about more um, the responsibility for downstream applications. And so we have some some companies like LKAB in Sweden um, that's working with Boliden uh, to really make um, a, a situation where waste product from Boliden can go over to LKAB like pyrite and then turn it into sulfuric acid and and phosphates for fertilizer. So you really have the industrial ecology where the waste from one process is the food for another process. Mm-hmm. And there's a responsibility to think about that. Absolutely. So so now we have to think about, all right, we produce a whole lot of tailings. Um, what can that be the feed for? Mm-hmm. And and right now there's there's people doing quite a bit of work Entrepreneurs trying to figure out what's going on. What can you do with tailings? Um, we have um, Vale has been uh, Vale Iron down in um, in Brazil has been uh, separating um, sand size grains out of their tailings and selling it for construction material, right? And they the sand size grains are mostly silica quartz, ninety nine percent pure, and they want to get to the four nines purity. Because then it can become feed for solar cell development. So now they're interested in research that will get that last bit of hematite out of the out of the quartz. You have people who are trying to make civil construction materials out of mine waste, um, and but the value is relatively low. So as long as we stay on um, economic value, we're going to be limited by what we can do. I, I myself want to melt the tailings mm. and pull fibers, which can be used to make composites. But yeah. that's never going to be the bulk of the tailings. Mm. So I think we have to start to understand tailings and the value that we're talking about differently from just economic. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure out how to have um, a value associated with environment and a value associated with social. Mm-hmm. And these really cannot be quantified very easily and they cannot be a dollar value put on them. Yeah. So, with blockchain following what goes on with the waste and with the products, we start seeing that um, there is a component in the blockchain record that records the environmental damage um, or, or 
undamaged that was done in the production, um, material efficiency uh, becomes important and um, the social justice about and, and dis- distribution. All the people, do they have access to the information? Have they gained from the fact that mining is there? So all of this wraps up into the concept of green premiums. And and we're seeing the start of a market that is a green premium market, whether it's aluminum that S&P Global has been tracking for the green premium, or you have Tesla wanting to buy green nickel. So we're in a period of transition where we're going away from purely an, an economic valorization to a more fully dimensional mm-hmm. valorization that really is in tune with uh, sustainability and yeah. the UN's SDGs these uh, sustainable development goals. Good. Yeah, it's a very interesting discussion and I'm, I'm glad it's moving in the right direction. Now, what are some of the promising initiatives happening right now when it comes to making the industry more sustainable or even saying making the industry better stewards? I guess we could say yeah. that too. <laughs> well, I think LKAB has a, uh, in Sweden, has a complete philosophy. They want to produce zero waste. Everything that they produce for mining, they wish it to become the feedstock for something. Mm-hmm. And People are doing that, and not just a matter of convenience, but a matter of moral obligation. Mm-hmm. This is all part of staying in the donut, that you have to do it. Um, I think uh, renewable energy um, is becoming very uh, accessible Good. and much less expensive. So Good. we're getting to the point where um, energy becomes less of a cost, um, and it always was one of the highest costs of mining was energy, but as we get renewables, um, that's great. But mm-hmm. the renewables that people are thinking of require batteries mm-hmm. or require to be a part of the grid. Um, so it has we have to run transmission lines. Yeah. Um, and so that's not the best thing. And and the battery drive is what's driving the critical minerals, the lithium and, and the cobalt and the nickel yeah. and everything yeah. else. So we think about alternative ways of storing that energy on site rather than um, batteries, mm-hmm. um, something like compressed air energy storage, mm. which could be developed on site. Yeah. You can make the energy from renewables and actually store the energy on site in compressed air energy, whether it's an underground vault or some of the technologies that NASA has been developing for storage of um, hydrogen and oxygen as fuels after you split water. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, got some really remarkable technologies that have only been inside of NASA. Now we've got yeah, to pull it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the idea of uh, inreaching into that and doing that. I think um, IoT um, has been increasing efficiencies with maintenance and robotics and operation. Enhanced productivity is one of the main outputs, but also safety, mm-hmm. um, removal of people from unsafe conditions, and risk reduction overall the potential of knowing more about what we're doing so we can make better decisions in the future is very important. And I think with with waste management, one of the biggest problems is driven by the presence of water in mm-hmm. the tailings. And the water is required because it's a requirement of mineral processing. So most of the geometallurgy flow from the ore body down to the tailings passes through hydrometallurgy, some kind of flotation process. So we've got water in the tailings, and it's easy to pump slurry. So, you know, that's that's good, too. But when you get to the end of the pipe, you have a problem because you can't get the water out of the tailings. Mm -hmm. So 
We're seeing some experiments go on where we actually apply electrokinetics, where instead of waiting for gravity to be the driver of getting the water out of the tailings, you actually put an electric field and drive the water out with a totally different gradient system. So there was, there's been an experiment that was done in the oil sands up in Canada about that. Um, and in Australia, they're setting up for an experiment of that. There's been some work done on Chile, in Chile on that. And I think we, we're ready to go to really scale up from mm-hmm. these bench scale tests to pilots to really looking at what if you do that in an existing tailings pond and try to drive the water out. Because when you drive the water out, you get to recycle it mm-hmm. and the material becomes stronger. So that if the tailings facility fails, such as Brumadijo did in 2019, the material behind it is strong enough to not flow. Yeah. So, and then we have to start learning about what a stable geology looks like yeah, when we try yeah. to have closure. So that's the end end of end of life. Yeah. Um, how do we do that? And in an era of of trying to deal with climate change, which we don't really know what climate change means <laughs> on that small donut scale mm-hmm. of a mine operation, um, how do we know that we can make a stable landform? Um, for geologic time. Yeah. It's very interesting days, these. Yeah, they really are. And so you're, you're doing things like this, obviously, you know, within an academic standpoint, obviously with Colorado School of Mines. So you're working on this. Are there any other things like that that, um, you know, you're trying to push that you haven't already shared? Uh, we need to do some more fundamental work on what is called dry stacking. Okay. On filtered materials. Um, because... We built the Brumadijo Dam. People did. And all the dams that have failed, we built. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how, when we place the material, we create the conditions for static liquefaction. And um, right now, people are thinking of filtration and dry stacking as the silver bullet that will solve everything. Mm -hmm. But it won't. Um, We have, I think, we have a a lack of knowledge on the long-term performance of those materials. And we don't know what's going to happen when we get higher and higher and higher. Um, We've been building for 100 years earth embankment dams to retain water. Um, The tallest one is less than 100 meters. We have tailings dams that are 300 meters high, 500 meters high. Those stresses caused by that height, we, we do not know how the material will behave in the short term or the long term. So there's some fundamental research that needs to be done. And I think also, um, since you brought up the the academic question, the situation that we have here is um, after the Brumadijo failure in 2019, um, there was an outcry from um, many sectors associated with mining. And um, it resulted in um, the mining community getting together and defining uh, the global industry standard for tailings management called the GISTM. That document was produced in 2020 and um, uh, in conjunction with ICMM, which is the International Council. Um, Right now, the entire mining industry is trying to figure out how to implement and how to demonstrate implementation or conformance with the GISTM, which is huge. Um, And... And what the GISTM says effectively is that we need 
an order of magnitude more engineers and qualified people to work with mine waste. We don't have those people. So the pressure comes back on academe to say, yeah. okay, develop the programs, recruit the students. And as you said at the start, we have a reputation in mining. We have to change that reputation and really make it so that students' first choice on coming to college is to say, I want to be a steward of the Earth's resource. Yeah. I'm going to study yeah. mining. absolutely. And then we have a pipeline where we have the undergraduates going out with internships, getting experience, deciding they want to get a master's degree in tailings and mine waste management, and a PhD so we have more professors who can produce more students. Mm -hmm. All of that requires research money. Yeah. So the mining industry is not the strongest supporter of fundamental research. Mm. So getting the message to the mining companies that if they want to be able to come to our universities and recruit the people they need, they have to support us over the longer term so that we can make the pipeline. Absolutely. And that includes research, it includes graduate studies, and yeah. it includes producing faculty. Yeah. So if they do that, we can do it. Yes. <laughs> but if they don't do it, we're going to be struggling. Yeah. Have there been any wake-up calls, pivotal moments, catalyst moments, you know, that have caused things in the industry to become like, hey, we, we need to be more sustainable? Or has it just been kind of this, well, we'll get there eventually and we got to convince them sort of thing? What, what's what's <laughs> so going maybe, on? <laughs> maybe the flow of, of growth of responsibility has been more of a staccato. Okay. Um, I think it's been gradually ramping up. But mm -hmm. to me, it was like 1969, we landed on the moon. Yeah. And we saw the earth as a blue marble, yeah. right? And then shortly thereafter, the EPA was founded. I mean, all of these sequence of things led to mining companies, which historically had not been paying much attention to the tailings, sure. to suddenly have to pay attention to the tailings. Okay. So when the 70s and in the 80s and 90s, people were paying attention and really building, starting to build a new profession, which is not the same thing as civil engineering. Yeah. It is Tailings and mine waste management and tailings are not the same thing as soils. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, um, things were improving, but failures continued. And, and the Brumadillo 2019 failure came after three other failures that surprised people in Canada, surprised people in Australia, unexpected failures that everybody sort of sat up and said, hmm. There's things that we don't know about our way of managing tailings. So that was good, a real strong boost. Yeah. Um, but I also think we have wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, that, that will really give a wake up on critical minerals, mm -hmm. which is driving a lot of things right now. But then we have the creeping things of of climate change and the energy transition possibilities, critical minerals, the politics of national resources, yeah, Mexico yeah. nationalized the lithium yeah. resources and the rise in the importance of SDGs and ESG, right? Environmental, social and governance issues. Mm -hmm. So this is something where there's a new language out there. It's in the boardrooms being talked about in the mining companies, whereas it was not, Five years ago. Okay. So that's positive. We're so optimistically though, there are some good things going on. That's good. Okay. So what, what are your overall thoughts then on the industry as far as from an optimistic standpoint and also from a concern standpoint? Okay. Um, I, I think the optimism, the economics are high. Mm -hmm. People are after metals. So it's, 
it's time to do things. It's easy access, easy every day to get energy, um, and to get it, to get it, uh, in a green sense. Um, and people are appreciating that green premium. So I think that will drive good behavior. Um, we have the GISTM and the ESG that are drivers of the change. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to change the people's perception of the mining industry um, to being a steward and really a, a responsible um, a responsible a partner mm-hmm. in all of this. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be very, um, very excited. But I think we still, as a concern... We don't really understand the climate crisis, Mm -hmm. and um, we don't know where the trigger is and Mm -hmm. what triggers are. Um, Water scarcity is is more and more prominent, so that is a pressure um, and a concern. Getting skilled people into the workforce is a major problem. Definitely. Um, Increase in tailings volume and that resource nationalism question – but I think right now in the United States, a lot of the focus is on the length of time that it takes to get a new mine under operation. Permitting is 10 years, 15 years from, from finding to developing. And this will not work the way we do it um, to have critical minerals development in the time that we need. So we really have to look at our, our policies and the regulations to figure out Exactly what is needed to protect that planetary boundary, and um, and try to minimize the time lost. Absolutely. Well, where can we go to learn more? By the way, just getting that new, more information, learn all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we uh, Colorado School of Mines, in in uh, conjunction with um, the University of Arizona and Colorado State University, have formed the Tailing Center which is a research center which has been offering professional development short courses for the industry and getting people registered from all around the world. So you can take those courses. But we're also planning next year on launching a master's and a PhD program in tailings engineering and management. Very nice. So we intend to become the resource, the go-to place. If people have questions, if uh, people want to try things out, Come and talk with us because we're there for you. Excellent. Well, it's it's going in the right direction finally, which is great. So, Dr. Nelson, thank you very much. Appreciate all of this. And I'm, I appreciate your work and what you're doing. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much. Dr. Priscilla Nelson, Colorado School of Mines professor, thank you so much for joining us here on HXGN Radio. To learn more and also listen to additional HXGN Radio episodes, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And you can visit hxgnspotlight.com for more stories from Hexagon and for more information. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful day. 